The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Welcome to Notre Dame. I mean, welcome to the Tabernacle. All right, all right, all right. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad uh, that you've chosen uh, uh, to be with us here tonight. No, we're not going to show the game. That would be missing the point of while we're here at church. Uh, but tonight, we are talking about uh, missing the point. And, and there's a danger for all of us. And I think what uh, uh, God has for us, for me, is be careful not to miss the point. But before we jump into the passage, when I think about missing the point, I'm actually reminded of a story that I heard. Actually, you can read about it as well. But the story goes of a pastor who, uh, uh, he was an old-timey pastor. He was a pastor that um, really loved the checklist, if you know what Ben was talking about, right? Uh, The rules, so to speak, that would kind of let people know that you were a holy person, that you were Christian, and, uh, and so he, he delivered a sermon back in the day, and he had one of those old uh, things called a pulpit. Do you remember that? Or down in the dirty south, they call it a pool pit, right? So on the pool pit, on the pulpit, uh, it's just a big fancy music stand with a lot of wood for those of you born uh, after the 1990. But uh, he put four jars on the pulpit, and in the first jar, he filled it full of alcohol, filled it full of beer. And then in the second jar... Uh, he filled it full of cigarette smoke. And then in the third jar, he filled it full of chocolate syrup. And then in the fourth jar, he filled it full of good, clean soil. And then he took an earthworm, four earthworms, and put one in each jar and proceeded to preach fire and brimstone old-timey with those earthworms in each one of the jars. At the end of the sermon, when he was all done, he announced that the earthworm that had been submerged in the alcohol in the beer for an entire hour had died. And he looked in the one with the cigarette smoke, and that worm had also died, I told the congregation. The third one, the one that was swimming in the chocolate syrup, had also died. There was only one worm left alive, and it was the one in the good, clean dirt. And he looked at his congregation, and he said, do you know what this means? There was a dear old saint in the back that said, yeah, if you don't drink, smoke, or eat chocolate, or as long as you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't get worms. I think she missed his point. Would you agree? Well, I don't want to miss the point. And there's a danger when it comes to faith. There's a danger when it comes to following Jesus. You know, we can get so caught up in doing church, God forbid, that we forget the point is to be the church. Or we can get so caught up in looking like a Christian that we forget to be a Christian, right? So if you have a Bible, let's uh, look at this next part of the gospel in Mark. We're in chapter 7, and uh, uh, we're going to c- cover verses 1 through 23 
uh, in this moment in Jesus' life. And it's all about missing the point. This is how it reads. It says, One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, let's just pause right there. If you notice, that last little section was in parentheses. And the reason the authors put it in parentheses is it's a parentheses that Mark is sharing with his audience who's reading this gospel, and they're most likely Gentiles just like us. So he's explaining this little nuance of kind of the Jewish tradition, not the Jewish law, but the religious tradition. There's this ceremonial washing of hands and cups. It's a real religious thing. And if you were Jewish, you'd know that. Verse five. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand washing ceremony. Now, I got to pause right there and point out this obvious thing. Jesus has been performing miracles, has he not? Blind people see, deaf people can hear, lame people can walk, leprous people are cleansed, children are coming back from the dead, he's calmed the ocean, he's walked on water, he fed 5,000 people. Hey, we notice you don't wash your hands. That's our tradition. Are you with me? Oh, dear. Verse 6. Jesus replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. That's the fifth commandment, by the way. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Parents, you can use that later. Verse 11, but you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. If you're wondering if Jesus is ticked off, he is. Getting ticked off is not a sin. It's just don't sin when you get ticked off. He hasn't done that yet. But he's fired up. Would you agree? Verse 14. Then then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. 
Don't you understand either? He asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. Yeah, Jesus said that. (laughs) By saying this, here's another parenthesis for the Gentile audience. He declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. So he's talking to Gentiles now and saying, praise God, it's okay to eat bacon. You're welcome. Now, I I don't want to just run past that. If you're not familiar with Jewish law or you're not familiar with the Bible up to that point, there were certain foods they could eat and certain foods they can't. Couldn't have, you know, pork. You couldn't have lobster or shrimp. You can have, you know, lizards or anything like that. I love me some good lizard. I don't like lizard at all. But some good surf and turf and some bacon He's saying here, Jesus says, now it's okay. Verse 20. Don't miss the point though. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. This is God's word. And this teaching is incredibly appropriate for us today. It's appropriate for our church. It's appropriate for any church. It's what we're dealing with. And Jesus is saying in this teaching, overall, don't miss the point. Don't miss the point because he's obviously performing these great works and, and, and people are wondering, maybe he's the Messiah. And did you notice what it said about the Pharisees? It says, but they noticed. That's always a slippery slope. You know, uh, pastor such and such, I noticed that such and such, that conversation never goes well. I noticed, Right? Some of you noticed that I'm wearing a hoodie. And you've decided you're not going to listen to anything else I say. Not because it's a hoodie. Because God's team's on it. It's named for Jesus' mom. Calm down. I've told you that before, right? And maybe your team didn't win today. I'm sorry. My team might be losing right now. I don't know. That's not the point. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point because there is a point. They start by saying, and it's just so ironic to me. You, son of God, don't follow our rules. You, lawgiver, don't follow our traditions that are all meant to honor you. Now, obviously, they don't see that. I understand that. They don't see that yet. And I want to back up just for a second because we can make a mistake. I can make a mistake, born and raised in the Christian ghetto, is I can look at the Pharisees and I can dismiss them. Just like I can look at tradition and say, that's worthless. 
I think we should recognize that the desire, at least the original intent of the religious rulers and the Sadducees and the Pharisees was a good intention. They're seeking to honor God. There's a reason these traditions popped up. There's a reason that they did those things, right? And, and, and some of it had to do with, hey, don't just rush into your food, right? Give thanks for your food. I think that's a good thing. I'm not going to make it a law for you, but the Bible says I should eat by giving thanks. So even if it's a short give thanks, I try to always give thanks. I got a lot of stuff. I got uh, two cars. I got a house. I got what, whatever. But you know what? When it all comes down, I want to be thankful for what I'm eating. I should do that. But they added to it. Let's turn it into a ceremony. Let's uh, bless the kettle. Let's bless the plates. Let's sprinkle here. Let's sprinkle on. So a desire to bless something. Hey, let's not be so quick to just rush in. Turned into a tradition. So now if you don't follow the tradition, why don't you follow this really cool thing that I started? Are you tracking with me? So it is important to say, tradition in and of itself is not bad. But when tradition becomes a sacred cow, sacred cows are delicious when they're butchered and barbecued. They're delicious. What is Jesus teaching in here? See, the first thing had to do with washing. And then, and then he does come a bit unglued. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right about you. And there's a warning for me. There's a warning for us. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I mean, our band just tore it up. Tore it up. I mean, I was like, man, I don't have a phone. I don't have a lighter. Tim's going to be disappointed. I, you know, that last, you know, wow. But at the same time, I'm thinking, God, am I honoring you with my lips and my heart? Is my heart in that same place? Is my heart there? Is my heart far from you? You know, and when he's done with that, then he calls the people together. And he starts talking about the nature of authority and the nature of defilement. And what he's saying is, listen, tradition is not the authority. God's word is the authority. Don't miss that. Tradition is not your authority. God's word is the authority. In fact, that's, I think, the first thing he's trying to teach us. Man's tradition canceling God's law misses the point. Man's tradition or my tradition or your tradition, if it's canceling God's law, you've totally missed the point. And he's saying you missed the point of the food and the gratitude and the prayer. You made up something. And they're missing all the miracles. They're missing that he might be the son of God. And then he goes on to talk about food because God had laws in the Old Testament. There was a specific reason God had laws in the Old Testament about what they could eat and not eat. And I'm not going to pretend to know all of those reasons. I know the biggest reason is that he was teaching them the way 
an adult would teach a child, here's some things that are holy and some things that are not holy. And so until I reveal myself for you, it's almost like the whole entire Old Testament is a picture book. It's a picture story. It's full of illustrations and metaphors. Like my first Bible, it was just all pictures. Oh, that's what it looks like, right? But when we grow up into maturity, we don't live by the pictures. Now I can handle a Bible that only has a few maps in the back. Does that make sense? And so that was one reason for the, what you could eat and couldn't eat. Jesus came to fulfill the law that he knew they couldn't. You know, another reason he came, or, or, or sorry, another reason that they gave certain foods you could eat and not eat is because there's no refrigerators in the desert. You're not tracking with me, are you? <laughs> Moses, million people in the desert, 40 years. Bacon doesn't keep no matter how delicious it is. And so what's clean and what's unclean, some of it is going to be for their good. But now that Jesus comes, he tells them, look, you miss the point of the food and the not food. What you eat is not what defiles you morally. No, the darkness is in here. And by that, he declared all foods clean. You see, there's, there's, there's another side to this that we have to talk about too. I think it's in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So see, here's a danger with a message like tonight because, oh, we're all guns blazing about tradition and all that and this and that. And, oh, this must mean I can do whatever I want. Careful, wicked person. <laughs> Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, not one bit of it will be undone. I came to fulfill it. Jesus was the only one who can perfectly fulfill God's law. Not just his moral law, the Ten Commandments, but also the Mosaic law, which was given to Moses for the Jewish people. He fulfilled both perfectly. Did he fulfill their traditions? No, because they are their traditions, not his traditions. He's not going to follow your tradition. He's going to follow God's law. And he fulfilled it perfectly. Now, am I under Jewish tradition? No. Number one, I'm not Jewish. But number two, Christ came to bring that portion to an end. But his moral law is in effect. He did not bring the gospel of do whatever you want. He did not bring the gospel of, of uh, oh, it's just about love and it's just about grace. Oh, all those old, you know, we don't, we don't need to worry about this. We just accept people right the way. We do accept people exactly where they are. But you see, this is, this is a warning for us because he says what we do is we sidestep and ignore God's law for our traditions. Now, I could go off forever talking about church traditions. But if you're a part of the tabernacle for a while, either you worship here, you worship in Manistee, or, or you're with us online, you know that we're a little non-traditional. I think that... Would you not agree? Come on, I'll put the sport coat back on if you don't pay attention here, okay? I mean, that's, that's well known to us. But, you know, there's always these little traditions that we hang on to. And, and 15 years ago, when we started changing a lot of things, there were a lot of people, you can't do that, this is church. And so we simply said, cool, show me. If you can show me where it is, if you can show me why we can't paint the inside of the church black, we won't do it. Oh, can't find it? Get out the paint. 
Because we weren't going to let our tradition cancel God's law. And God's law that we're trying to fulfill is to reach as many people as we could. And we thought black paint could help us. You can't drink coffee in church. Oh, that's a tradition. We want people to be well caffeinated because they're always falling asleep in church. And we want to put something in their hands because they don't know what to do with their hands. And so, you know what? We're going to fulfill God's law to reach people. And we're not going to worry about tradition. Are you tracking with me? That's not what I'm worried about. We got that down. What we don't have down is how individually we sidestep and ignore God's law with our little human traditions. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Look, uh, you know, I, my fiance and I, we want to get married. This might hurt somebody. I don't mean, I got nobody in my mind. We're going to get married, but we're not going to get married for two years because we want a big wedding. And so we have to save up a lot of money. So we thought that it would be cheaper if we moved in together because we want a big wedding and we want to save money and we don't want to go into debt. Got real quiet in here. Okay, so we're either going to commit sexual sin so we can hold on to the tradition of a big wedding and the other man-made tradition of debt is the high, or don't go into debt, that's the highest value is how much money I have. Are you tracking with me? I'm not saying that to hurt you. I'm saying your human tradition, my human tradition cannot sidestep or ignore or pretend to cancel God's law. And if I want to honor God, if I say I'm honoring God, but I'm sidestepping and I'm ignoring, Jesus says, I'm a hypocrite. We can turn it on its head this way. Well, you know, I'm just so glad that we don't have that don't drink, don't smoke, don't swear thing anymore, right? Because, you know, on St. Patty's Day, me and the boys, we have a tradition. Oh, you got wasted? You did something really dumb because you go to a grace church? No, your tradition canceled God's law. Pretty sure it said in here that we shouldn't be getting drunk on wine. Well, it says wine. You see how the human heart does this all the time? You know, one of the things we do at the the, the fight club table that I lead is we challenge the guys. Hey, do you know God's 10 words, God's 10 laws, God's 10 commands? These are the things that we honor God with. And I'm not giving you a new checklist. If you want to know how to love God and love people, the first four commands are all about loving God. The The second part, the last six commands are all about loving people. And it was amazing. These are grown men, and it was a dirty trick. I do it all the time. But I don't think we had but one guy that could even name five. How many can you name? How many can I name? God's law is still in effect. That's not why Jesus came, to bring the gospel of do whatever you want. I don't get to sidestep. I don't get to ignore The parts that are a little uncomfortable for me. And those are just examples. I'm not picking on anybody. And then he goes on to teach the people. He teaches them about food. And and there's a bigger principle here. Because you could say, okay, we can eat whatever we want. It's about food. No, it goes deeper than, than that. Because when Jesus explains to his disciples, he's not even talking about food. He's not even talking about traditions anymore. He's saying this, things don't make me unclean. I make me unclean. Did you get that? Things don't make me unclean. I make me unclean. 
You don't have to teach a child how to lie. You notice that? Those of you that are parents. You don't have to teach your kid how to take something that doesn't belong to him or her when they went for a play date at somebody's house. You don't normally have to teach a man how to lust. You don't have to teach a human how to be so consumed with worry that they can't even see straight. You see, these outside things aren't what makes me unclean. I make me unclean. And this is important for us in 2018, going on 2019. It's important for us because we live in a culture of blame, don't we? No one wants to take responsibility. In fact, you know, when we start, I mean, if we were to go through God's law, if we, you know, even the examples that I've already given, you know, somebody's a little bit uncomfortable. They're already going through all the reasons why they're the exception. Oh, I'm the exception. That law's for all those other people, but that's not for me. We like to blame. We like to, you know, I wouldn't be that way except my spouse. You know, I wouldn't be that way except my family of origin. You know, I wouldn't be that way except for the daggone 24 news cycle. It's always somebody's fault. My boss, those people, that situation, this body. Well, I'm just, I was born that way. Things don't make us unclean. We make we unclean. Things don't make me unclean. I make me unclean. You know, one of those easy traditions to pick on in church is the way we dress, the way we look at somebody. You know, last week, you know, I don't know if you're here, I was feeling sporty, so I wore a sport coat. I talked to somebody in the third space, and he walked up like everyone else. Hey, what's going on? And he was dressed down. And he said, I'd wear one if I could afford one. I said, bro, you're dressed exactly the way you're supposed to be dressed. You're here. This doesn't make me any more important. Which is why I'm thinking, okay, yeah, let's wear one this week. Because truth can come from someone's lips, whether they're wearing a sport coat or a robe, whether they got a funny hat and a big chain with a cross or a hoodie. It's not the, it's not the clothes that make someone holy or not holy. It's not the outward dress. And if that's true for that, how much more for our behavior and how much more for our appearances you see many of us we try to be christian and act christian and do christian by going through the checklist when on the inside jesus says elsewhere we're like whitewashed tombs we look religious on the outside we look christian all our behavior the things we'll do and not do but on the inside it's where it's defiled that's where the change has to be that's what he's teaching them It's not about what you eat or don't eat anymore. He's talking about inside out stuff. In fact, if we look a little bit closer, if we look at verses 21 and 22, can we put that up on the screen here? This is what Jesus says. He says, for from within, out of a person's heart, that's where all this comes from, comes evil thoughts, right? So instead of looking at how someone dresses or how I'm dressed or what's appropriate or what's not appropriate or do they go to the movies? Do they do this? Do I do that? You know, what translation? It's like, what are my thoughts like, right? Where did that thought come from? Oh, you know, I was just making a joke. I was just, you know, I was just being funny. Yeah, where did that, 
Where did that come from? There's a big one. We've already mentioned it. Sexual immorality. This is probably one of the most abused laws of God. You shall not commit adultery. That command has to do with all sexual sin. Period. And I'm, I'm not... I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. But what I am trying to say is, if you want to love God and you want to love people, you're going to practice purity. You're going to want to be pure. Are we going to get it perfect? No. But it's the same for all of these. What about theft? Well, I'm not a thief. I don't steal anything. Yeah, do you work as hard as you can? Six days a week, five days a week, however many days a week you got to work. You know, I talk to people all the time that are like, well, you know, I'm glad we're under grace because that whole Sabbath thing, I come to church, but I don't take a whole day of rest. Oh, you don't work hard enough. If you can't get all your work done and you got to work on the day that's supposed to be set aside for worship or the time that's set aside for rest, you don't work hard enough. You're a thief. Oh, think about that. We just took the whole honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy and turned it on its head. Well, I went to church. Yeah, but you're still working. You didn't rest. You didn't play. You didn't hang out with your kids. You didn't hang out with your spouse. You, you know, you just didn't chill out for a minute and just enjoy everything that God has given. You haven't Sabbath, man. You haven't. You don't work hard enough. God got it done in six days. You need to keep up. That was a Genesis reference. What about murder? I've never killed anybody. Are you resentful? Where does that bitterness come from? Well, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. I just look, I'm getting there. You've been getting there for years. When are you going to forgive so you can give up the bitterness and the resentment so you can quit murdering your brother or your sister? Now we starting to make sense. This is what Jesus is saying. It's all that junk. And, and, and by the way, I'm not just trying to pile on. I'm saying all that's within you and it's within me and it's within us. And he's saying, stop worshiping me with your lips when your hearts are so far from me. He mentions adultery and greed, wickedness, deceit. That's another way to talk about lying. Lustful desires, that's our coveting, not just for other people, but for things that we don't have. That's, that's the 10th commandment. Man, if, I don't, if I'm not satisfied with what God has given me, then I covet then I'm dis, or, the, or there's no contentment in my life. And then those lustful desires come for the things that I don't have, for whatever I don't have. Envy, slander. Oh, we're great in the church at slander. And all of it is pride and foolishness. You know, I, I spent a little time going through each one of those. Do you know every one of the Ten Commandments, every single one of the Ten Commandments is in this list of 12 sins at least once and some of them three or four times. Are we going back to legalism? No, calm down. This is what Jesus is saying. He wants your heart. And he's saying all of that junk is in us. That's the problem. It's not about bacon or sheep. It's not about hand washing. It's not about the outward appearance. He's saying that the problem is inside and the solution is Jesus. 
Your problem and my problem is on the inside and the solution is Jesus. Listen, I know whenever we talk about sin, it, you know, I, I watch audiences all the time. It starts sinking lower and lower and their heads start going down. There's a solution and it's Jesus. What the solution is not is the gospel of sin management. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. Lean over to your spouse. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do all these more. Don't do more things on the outside. Don't make any resolutions. At least about this stuff. You can make other resolutions, all right? Don't make a new checklist. You see, the problem, the sin problem is inside of us. And the only solution is for Jesus to change us from the inside out. That's the only solution. How do we do that? First of all, we need truth. We need to be truthful. We need to be honest. We need to stop giving ourselves a pass. No, I'm sidestepping sin in my life. I'm canceling out God's law by my own human tradition. We've got to be truthful. We've got to start or stop ignoring sin. Sin in ourselves, sin in one another. I had to do it this week. I had to go to a bro about sin. I didn't want to because I just wanted him to like me. It's like, bro, is this happening? I, I got a good answer. It's like, oh, shoo, thank goodness, not happening. You're on it. Well done. I've had people come to me the same way. But it's not this exterior stuff. We've got to be truthful with what's in here, and that takes humility. It's truth and humility. That's where it starts. Right? So if the problem is on the inside and the solution is Jesus, I have to let the truth of Jesus and the humble Jesus into me. So I come to Jesus in truth, and I come to Jesus in humility. That's where it starts. So the truth, what do I mean by that? The more we cover up and hide sin, the more it stays hidden and it never comes out and is never dealt with. That sin owns you. It owns you. So if there was something on that list and it's, oh, well, me and God, we're going to work on it together. Yeah, it still owns you. Have fun with that. You're a slave. But the moment sin comes out, freedom begins. That's truth. And the only way to do that is to be humble. You guys, on that list that we had up there, I have been or at one point was guilty of every single one of those. If that makes you feel any better, I'll go first. Yep, all that list, me. Starts with truth. What are you going to say? That I'm greedy? What are you going to say? That I have pride? What are you going to say? That I'm foolish? I know. Look at the shirt I'm wearing. What do you say? There's lust in my heart? I already told you. It starts with truth. Now we can deal with it. But you have to be humble to get there. Truth and humility. Jesus told the story, and it was one of these great stories that people always lean in. Remember this one? It's in, I think it's in Luke 18 where, where, where he says there was a tax collector who everyone hated and a Pharisee, and they both went to church. Remember this story? And they both stood to pray, and the tax collector stood up, and he said, God, I thank you that you did not make me like all these other sinners. And then he went through the checklist of all the things that he had done, all on the exterior. Remember that one? I do this, and I do this, and this is how much I give, and this is how holy I am, and I always wear a sport coat. Sorry, that was the Pharisee. That was the, that was the religious guy. And then the tax collector, he stood up, and he wouldn't even look to heaven. But it says that he beat his chest and says... Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Truth, humility. And Jesus asked his audience in Luke 18, you can look it up. He said, 
Which prayer do you think the Lord heard? Which one received mercy? So it starts with truth and humility. That's how the change starts on the inside out. But then there also has to be love. Love is the only thing that can cancel out the sins that I'm guilty of. Love is the only way that I can overcome sin. And it's part of repentance. I turn from sin to Jesus. I turn from not loving God and loving people to loving God and loving people. I want God to be my greatest joy. And if I love that way, I've fulfilled the first commandment. You will have no other gods before you. I want God to fulfill me in every way and I don't want anything to take his place. I'm going to turn, I want to love him that way. I fulfilled the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol. I want to be in his likeness. I don't want to be in the likeness of what Hollywood says or what the world says or culture. Whatever likeness, God, you have for me, that's the way I want to live 24-7. Boom, I fulfilled the third commandment that I will not profane his name because his name's on me. And I don't want to live like a hypocrite. I want to get a rhythm in life and balance the way Jesus had, the way God wants for me. So I'm going to stop trying to control everything and instead I'm going to work hard, as hard as I can and the work that he's given me but I want to love him. I'm going to spend at least one day every week. I'm just going to chill out. I fulfilled the fourth commandment of having a Sabbath rest. Are you tracking with me? I turn from the sin to love. Truth, humility, and love. That's how we change from the inside out. That's what God wants from us. That's what he wants for us. Then it's, then it's no longer about the rules. It's no longer about the rules, and we all have rules. We've said it before, just because, you know, we don't do the suits and ties, and the piano and the organ's gone, and the pulpit is gone. And, I mean, just because, I mean, we still have our own rules, don't we? They pop up. And we're quick when someone doesn't follow our rules to jump on it. Aren't you glad That God has said, uh, he doesn't judge people the way we judge people. God looks at the heart. Remember when he said that? And he knows your heart. And he knows my heart. So I don't have to worry about that rule book. I don't have to worry about that checklist. Now, do I want to honor God? Do I want to fulfill his commands? Yeah. But not because of what you think, but because of what he thinks. Because he saved me. That's why Jesus came to die on a cross. That's why it was such a graphic, horrible crucifixion and death. So we could see how much God hates sin. And if that's what it looks like, and that's what he willingly gave for me on that cross, naked, shredded, crushed for my sin, I want to live in response to that. I want to love that way. Now I want to, not a have to. That's how Jesus is the solution. See, because ultimately, you know what the rules do? Rules in any relationship, not just with us with God, rules with me and my wife. We start making rules. You know what human beings do? Oh, there's rules? What's the bare minimum I have to do in order to get an A? Or a B or just pass? What's the, what's the bare minimum that I have to do? Oh, I just got to show up and give you a little thing and, you know, be nice and go, hi, you know, all that kind of stuff. If, is, if that's the minimum, then really all I'm saying is where's the line so I can lean? And my heart's never changed. That's what we do when we judge everyone by the external appearances instead of 
allowing each person to be a worshiper of God from his or her heart. Rules also lead us to competition. That's wickedness, foolishness, pride. I mean, think about it, right? Or you dress nicer than they're dressed. You give more than they do. You, you know, this is your standard. Well, their standard is this. And it's foolishness. It's not about honoring God. It's about competing with people. And that's wrong. Or it leads us to entitlement. Don't you know I've honored you, God? We're not supposed to miss the point. I don't want to miss the point. He wants our hearts. He's after our hearts. He wants us to love him from our hearts. We're going to sing some more. The band's going to come. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's take a moment. God, I'm grateful that you came and fulfilled every checklist, every rules list, every law, every letter, every punctuation point, so we don't have to. But God, I pray right now for our church that we would not give ourselves license, but instead we would be captured by the glorious freedom that you paid for so dearly. God, I feel like in 2019, some of us are desperate for an inside-out change. God, I pray that you would help us not to turn to sin management or we wouldn't turn to gripping it and trying to do the best within our own ability, but God, instead, that we would turn to love, that we would start with truth in humility and instead let your love change us from the inside out. And God, that's just not hippie talk or spiritual talk. That's the real deal. That's the only way. So Spirit, would you come? Spirit, would you meet us in those moments when we are truthful? Would you meet us when we humble ourselves? Would you show us what it means to fulfill the law, not by doing, but by loving? God, would you help us to make that the judgment by which we judge one another? Is what's their heart look like? And is it a heart of love? Lord, I need a heart of love. Our church needs a heart of love. God, I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. If you agree, church, say amen. God bless you.